Send the love the number. Five. I have to pick up. I'm wearing a towel. Robin, you're naked. Stop looking at me, Swan. Welcome to the Got Two Five podcast. My name is Max. His name is Jesse. That is. Hello, my friend. Hello, my good friend. My best friend, in fact. How are you? Good. It was very sweet when I played that intro. You just very quietly muttered to yourself, "Oh, I haven't asked you about your day." <laughs> well, we always chat for like sort of five to ten minutes before we start these shows. And we talked about your haircut, which was nice. We talked about my shirt, which you said made me look like a racist, but I think it's actually quite a nice shirt. And um, and we talked about various stuff, but I, I normally make a point to sort of say, how's your day? How's life? Like, I hope you're okay. Very, and I didn't, very sweet. Very sweet. I didn't do any of that. I'm sorry. So how are you? How has your day been? I'm good. It was a busy work day, as you correctly pointed out. New fresh look. First one in like six months. Loving it. Smart. Um, yes. Literally rushed to um well fuck you jesse welcome crummy welcome to the show what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <nice> <laughs> that's how we start this punk show <laughs> so uh it was lovely once i got a haircut and then i was very pressed for time got back here at like half seven and i've made six videos seven graphics for your viewing pleasure people so you better fucking appreciate it the man's a professional and i'm very proud of him i am nanny for anyone who doesn't know and nanny is proud of max exactly how was your day uh, yeah, it was okay. Um, a member of again, <laughs> we're doing it. So we're we're doing a podcast on punk rock stuff today, and um, so it's the most unpunk rock. It's like so a member of my team at work. It was her final day today, so we all, you know, said goodbye. But she was working from home. It's weird, like because like we've had someone leave work, but because she's been working from home the last year, it's like it doesn't feel like she's gone. It's just stuff all. Stuff that used to happen automatically will no longer happen automatically. Do you exactly. know what I mean? And it's, but life but, goes on. I had one of my guys leave last Friday. We we really did sell out somewhere. Like both me and Jess, we were like our teams. I've got a bottle of wine. Jesse's got some champagne on the go. I've got a bottle of Bollinger. That's like as posh as you can get. It's 007 Bollinger, license to thrill. Yeah. <laughs> Based <laughs> of our James Bond episode. So, uh, if anyone's wondering, yes, me and Jesse were punk kids back in the day, and we sold out hard. Like. I Good disagree boys. with that. No, I, I think we're, I, we're pretty punk. Yeah, we're still punk, I think, because you work in podcasting, which is mm. very much the pirate radio of today. Very and true. I work in um, basically sort of distribution of headphones and DJ gear and stuff. And that is sort of all dance music based and that. And dance music is very much has a punk ethos about it. It's very DIY, stick it online, do your own mixes, that sort of stuff. Um, while we're talking about that, I just want to say, I know this is a punk rock podcast that we're doing today, but um, Shock G from Digital Underground passed away today. And I want to say rest in peace, Shock G, because um, he did, um, his alter ego was Humpty. A lot of people might know the Humpty dance and things like that. We talk about, anyone who's listened to our shows before, we talk about punk rock, we talk about descendants and sort of that feeling of being other that punk rock brings us. Um, Digital Underground did that with hip hop. I think they were sort of mm, so um, they embrace like the weirdness of yourself and be proud of it and own it. And that's what Digital Underground did for me, like punk rock did. And I put it all in the same bubble. So rest in peace, Shock G. Beautiful, beautiful moment. Well done, Jesse. Um, yeah, punk rock. This is a very big thing in our lives, and we. The reason we're doing this episode is because we did the Bill Stevenson interview episode and we had a shit ton of subscribers off the back of that and everyone's username was like 
Punk 69 and like 420 <laughs> Bro and Bad Religion for Life. And we were like, and then since then we've been like talking about James Bond and cartoons. <laughs> I don't more opposite. Lovely time. So we made a promise last week because uh, we did singer songwriters and all the comments were, so we're going to be talking about Greg Graffin in, in this? <laughs> no, we're not. We basically got bullied into this, didn't we? We did get bullied into this. So um, we're doing our top five 90s punk rock albums, very specific, but a very important time in punk rock. It was the emergence of its popularity and growth. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Descendants before and how, in my opinion, they invented pop punk or like American. So I know Ramones, and you know, everyone goes on about Ramones whenever I bring up Descendants. Oh, yeah, but Ramones. It's like, yeah, okay. But like, other than Shut that, it's, I'm making a point. But um, other than that, like, um, American punk rock is something that, especially over here, like over here, you just think, oh, Sex Pistols, Clash. But like, there's been some amazing punk from America and in the 90s. Punk rock was fucking booming in America. There was some amazing mm-hmm. stuff, and it was non-existent over here. So um, I think I'm, I'm, I can't speak for you because I don't know your choices, but I know from my side, I'm certainly celebrating the American side of um, 90s punk rock. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and we got some interesting choices here. I think the first two that me and Jesse have, people will be like, "That's not punk rock," but it is. So shut up. And then we I get will more. Justify it. Yeah, and then we'll get more into the actual punk rock albums of the 90s. We don't go over 96, which is interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, we uh, we, we stick around that era, which I found quite interesting. Um, but yeah, punk rock was such an interesting thing, as you say. Like In America, in the 90s, it got so big. There's always that comparison that when Kurt Cobain died, there was the teen angst looking for something, and then that's when you're... Your offsprings, your green days, and all of that really took off and really pushed that new punk rock movement. Well, Dookie was, I don't know the exact dates, but it feels like Kurt Cobain died. And then the next big thing that happened was Dookie by Green Day was released. And it was like all these lost Nirvana fans were like, oh, something new. And Dookie came out and it was like, right, we can latch onto that shit. And that is our new. And it's, it's the three chord sort of music we were enjoying from Nirvana, but we're pretty down in the dumps that Kurt Cobain's dead. So here we go. This is fucking happy sounding. Nice. This will cheer us up. Yeah. Let's talk about drugs and girls and all the fun stuff that everyone likes. And masturbation. There's a lot of that. Masturbation. There's a lot of masturbation. It was a lonely time in the 90s, people. Lonely, lonely time. So should we get into it? Do you have any punk anecdotes? You normally have facts about stuff before we get started, or should I just uh, crack on? Um, I don't have any facts, really. I mean, I've got things to talk about once we get into our picks, I suppose. But I, th- I think we're okay. Just that, I don't know, like, it's something we've bonded. I always find it, str- our friendship has always baffled me because, like, we, um, we're we different in so many ways. But there's these things that just link us together. And punk rock is one of them. Wrestling is another. Mm-hmm. And um, and odd things like um, Adam Carolla, Love Line, Masturbation, Adam Carolla, just weird things. But Park, some hip far side, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. It's really weird things that I don't have in common with anyone else. I have in common with you. And sort of the nerdiness of American punk rock is one of them. So I, I like that. Me too, me too. And I feel like I never grew out of the punk rock. I feel like you actually became an adult and started listening to other music and you got very into your folk scene and all of that hippie shit. Um, and you kind of half left it. It's still in your heart and you still enjoy listening it. And then whenever we're together, we listen to it. But I just don't think it ever left me. Like nothing comes close to to punk rock for me. It's, it's still it's still my happy place. Like yeah. I, I do like lots of other music and I will enjoy that as well. But 
it is like when I'm drunk and I want to be happy, I will put on punk rock, specifically yeah. 90s and 80s if it's the Descendants. 100%. 100%. So, kicking us off, I'm going to start, if you don't mind, this week, Mr. Benz. Fuck's sake. Don't really get a choice because it's all planned and ordered. Selfish. It's always structured. Wasn't so, even. Just, you okay? Do you want to get out your system? Just sad, no. I sent Max a picture of a chimp earlier um, that I thought <laughs> would... Because he was stressed. He was trying to get all this together in time and he was running around like a um, blue-ass fly. And I was like, just... Just look at this picture of this chimp. It's a little baby chimp. He's sitting there with his hands behind his head like this. And he's got his knees up. And he's just the happiest little relaxed chimp you've ever seen in your life. And I said, next time you're stressed, just look at that, mate. And and it touched you, I think. It did touch me. In reality, what could have caused me less stress was you not being late, as you always are. I sent you the chimp. I said, look at the chimp. <laughs> Whilst I'm late and you're getting stressed, just look at that chimp. Just don't worry chimp. about it. Took me a while to find it. <laughs> All right. Kicking us off at number five for top five 90s punk rock albums. And don't you dare tune out until I've explained my reasoning. Okay. So we're going for Insomniac. By <laughs> for our audio listeners, Jesse just left the room. Okay. So Insomniac by Green Day. Everyone's like, ooh, pick Dookie. No. No. Dookie is the kind of the first ever emergence of pop punk in the 90s it was what kicked it off whereas for me insomniac is probably my favorite green day album of ever it's i got this mixed up there so when i was trying to predict your picks earlier when we were chatting i said kaplunk didn't i so you i think you're kaplunk i thought kaplunk was your favorite ah your second okay fine my second favorite kaplunk is a great album it's very raw and it's very you know them fresh it was their first proper album that they produced before dookie um but what I love about Insomniac is I feel like it holds a little bit more of the punk rock ethos in the sense of Dookie comes out, Billy Joe and the rest of the band are being called sellouts. They're being like kicked out of the scene. They're like, oh, you've gone mainstream, man. You're fucking, you're not punk anymore. And it upset them. Punks have feelings too, guys. And this it, came out it, like the same year as Dookie, right? Like they churned one this year out after, really yeah. fucking quick. Yeah. They, yeah. they released Dookie and then they recorded this in December of 94. So it must have been like a two, three month gap. It smashed it out. Yeah. Yeah. Smashed it out. Um, and when they were kind of writing it, it was just, yeah, a lot of you're a sellout. You've done this multi platinum album of Dookie. And Insomniac as a whole, it's a lot heavier than, than Dookie is. It's got more of that uh, quote punk sound. Uh, the lyrics are a lot bleaker. Uh, we're talking about lyrics such as alienation, anxiety, boredom, drug use. It, it, it really is kind of a switch to what Dookie was, where Dookie was a lot more like masturbation and fun and blah, blah, blah. And then you get stuff like Brain Stew and Geek Stink Breath and Walking Contradiction, which is just a lot more kind of like angry and meaner for when it kind of comes across. Um, and yeah, a lot of places didn't want to play this album because they were expecting like basket case and all of these really catchy ditties that they had before. And then green day come out with this album and it's like, Oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no. So um, they, they were just trying to cut the bullshit of like Dookie and just be like, this is us as well. And this is what we want to do. Billy Joe said that insomniac is probably the most honest record that they've ever made, uh, especially when it was made at the sound. Um, and I think just from start to finish, I love the album cover, um, opening up with Armitage Shanks with that brilliant little drum beat as you kind of come in and then straight into Brat. I just, 
don't understand why this kind of album doesn't get as much love as previous ones do, you know? Because um, I think it's just up there. But then everyone celebrates Nimrod afterwards. It's like, oh, Nimrod's yeah. great. I feel like Insomniac was too quick. Like like we were just it saying, was. like it feels like Dookie was such this massive hit. And if, you're, if you just piss out an album, not piss out because it's brilliant, but like Insomniac comes out so soon after. People aren't over Dookie yet. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. the, the hubbub hasn't died down. So it's, it's almost like too much birthday. You just want to sort of just enjoy what you've got and then wait a bit before you get to enjoy it again. And I feel like they were just too quick with it. Especially when you um, you change up the sound as quickly yeah. as this one did. You're expecting... Which great. Nimrod didn't. Nimrod felt more dookie yeah. in its sound, right? It should have been the other way around when Nimrod yeah. came out and then Insomniac. And yeah, that's kind of why people slept on it. And recently, the 25th anniversary of um, of Insomniac, and they released a beautiful LP with like an alternative cover, expanded cover of it. Looks amazing. Have so, you got it? No. When are you getting it? Soon. He always, <laughs> he always knows when I'm getting it. So uh, we're going to play you some tracks as we normally do when we talk about music, and then we're going to come back and give you a little bit more information on said song and Diddy. So it was difficult to kind of pick a song from this album, but I thought I'd start off quick i'd go for like one of the quickest ones on the album often partnered with brain stew but uh i want oh, to just go straight for jaded love this one as punk rock as it comes really in terms of a song it's a tune yeah it's fast it's quick like you said they normally um it goes on it like brain stew which is the song before it on the album like that finishes and the last note of that song goes on to jaded like it's the first note it's fucking wicked thank you sefi scrub um punk bundy look fucking amazing you're right I, as soon as i saw that i popped it was brilliant it was, Guys, I, you, I don't know what's going on with him, but ever since that Descendants, like he got his own T-shirt with his own like everything sucks cover album. His attitude's just been off. He's, he's just, got he's, doing he's got what tattoos. He wants. He's, he's grown his hair. He's sniffing coke out of hookers' assholes. He's doing it all, mate. He's he's uncontrollable at the moment. And uh, although you pointed out to me, because um, I'm going through Always Sunny in Philadelphia at the moment, the episode when Danny DeVito is. Um, when they do the wrestling and Danny trash DeVito man. is the trash man and it's basically Danny DeVito dressed as Andre the Giant but 
that is our King Kong Bundy logo. <laughs> like, it just looks just like him. <laughs> is it Frank? Is it King Kong Bundy? We're never really sure what's going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jaded, uh, as you were saying, Jesse, straight off the back of Brain Stew, whenever they do it live, they do the two kind of combo together because it works as Brain Stew being this nice little slow me- uh, melodic kind of song. Brain Stew, I found out, was written um, when his kid was first born and him just Aww. like not being able to sleep. And it's really kind of horrible lyrics when you kind of think back about it when when doing that kind of stuff. I I just find the backstory of Insomniac so interesting in the sense of just like, you have this massive album, but they were just depressed when (laughs) they were miserable. Like, I was just reading a quote here. (laughs) We're we're listening to the music and we're like, yeah, this is great. (laughs) It's like, they were so It's got Mike and Trey shuffling in and stuff. (laughs) there's a quote where I was like, Billy said, I, I think I was just lost. I couldn't find the strength to convince myself that what I was doing was a good thing. I was in a band that was a huge success because it was supposed to be huge because our songs were that good. But I couldn't even feel that I was doing the right thing because it felt like I was making so many people angry. That's why I became so confused and it got really stupid. I would never want to live that part of my life over again. It's just like, fucking hell, multi-platinum album and just everyone calls you shit that you respect <laughs> it's horrible poor billy man but you know what I've, i think about this a lot and maybe i don't look into it near enough but like a lot of punk bands are tight right like yeah. they're all mates with each other and stuff i never hear about green day being friends with anyone weirdly you? Like, they're not they're not in a gang do you know what i mean who always play the same festival together or who always tour together I think it's that friend that you never say you have, but you're tight with. Because Fat Mike's gotten over it now where he's like, yeah, me and Billy Joe are super tight. He told a story about him and Billy Joe going out in the back of a Cadillac into the Mexico desert to score some coke. And you kind of confuse that era of Billy Joe with this like rock American idiot kind of superstar image when he was just a punk rocker scoring coke and drugs with with his friends in Gilman Street. You yeah. Know? I mean, I always... Um, Tim Armstrong and stuff, like, he was... They were in that group at, at Gilman Street and doing all that kind of stuff. But I think everyone just goes, yeah, yeah, Billy, just go stand stand over there, mate. We'll catch up in a bit. It is, yeah, it's a weird... Yeah, it, it is that weird thing where, like, you become a celeb- a proper celebrity, right? So, like, you, you have the public image and you want to keep that away from what you actually like sometimes because what you actually like, whilst not bad, but, like, scoring coke somewhere probably isn't ideal for the tabloids do you know what i mean and it's like um um so Sp- i was chatting to sponge and who did tours with green day and they were saying that it annoys them that green day were always accused of selling out and stuff and they say green day never sold out because green day never changed what they were doing and they never have they've always yeah. done the same type of music and always done it well all that happened is just loads of people suddenly decided they like it. That's not Green Day's fault. That's that's not them selling out. They haven't changed themselves to appeal to a wider market. The wider market decided they suddenly like Green Day, and that's fine. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the switch in, in terms of how it happened. Um, as you say, like their later albums are a little different. It's it's a lot more kind of like rock element, but from early days all the way up until pretty much 21st century breakdown it's always just been green day just tweaked a little bit that's how they do it um i got one last fact before we kind of move on um the album cover of this is fantastic if you've ever seen the full album cover it's just this amazing collage uh, and it's done by an artist called winston smith um and 
Billy Joe's like, how did you put this together in such a short amount of time? And Smith just went, it's easy. I'm an insomniac. Uh, and that's where the title of the album came from. And same for, for Billy Joe, because his son was just being born, as I mentioned. And the album cover, the actual name of the artwork is called God Told Me to Skin You Alive, which is a reference to Dead Kennedy's song, I Kill Children. Uh, so it's, I just love that little fact, like this little happy kind of pop punky punk rocky album with that album title cover it just uh makes me very happy that's lovely it is i thought uh, <laughs> it. yay um so i know people are always there's the argument of is green day punk rock is green day pop punk when we take considerations of albums like kaplunk and insomniac i say 100 percent they're they're punk rock 100 percent. the ethos the attitude it's all there yeah i don't even care about the different different I know they do, but I don't. So, like, if, if you like it, you like it. I think pop punk, just it's still got the word punk in it, man. Like, it's still a division of punk, so it counts, in my opinion. Yeah, very fair, very fair. Um, you're up next, and you don't know what's coming because you were like, put them in any order you want. Ah, okay. Um, I wasn't expecting that. That's fine. Um, so this is um, Blink 182's first album. I know what everyone's thinking based on the chat we just had. Blink That's where I linked them. That's where I linked uh, them. Like. Yeah, nice. Very smart. Um, so this was Blink 182's first album, and uh, not because I'm a hipster. This is actually the first Blink 182 album I ever heard and owned because um, when I was so Enema of the State, which is like one of their biggest albums with all the small things and What's My Age Again and songs like that on. Um, that came out in 99. So I was literally nine years old. And I think by the time I sort of realised I like that sort of music, I was 10. And I think all the small things were actually being played on a CBBC advert. Um, for our American listeners, that's the BBC, but children's BBC, which was a couple of hours after school, cartoons and shit. And I think when they were advertising it, all the X-Men. small things was on it. And I was like, <laughs> X-Men, Spider-Man. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, when we, uh, and uh, so I was watching it, um, Blink-182 were the new big band on the block. So I said to my mum, I fucking love Blink-182. Like, I, I like music now. I, like, I never really liked music before this. And I was like, can you buy me a Blink-182 CD, please? And my mum, God bless her, went to HMV and bought the first um, Blink-182 CD she found, which happened to be Cheshire Cat. So obviously I would have wanted Enema of the State or even Dude Ranch, but Cheshire Cat is what she brought home. Um, so I put it on and I hated it. So I was listening to it and I was like, this isn't all the small things. This isn't this doesn't sound anything like what like the songs yeah. I've heard on Top of the Pops and CBBC and stuff. What is this? But because it was one of like the only CDs I owned, I listened to it a lot anyway and forced myself to like it. And I ended up sort of just... As you get older, maybe, I sort of appreciate this album because it was Blink 182's first album, 95. They must have been late teens, I guess, when they made this, like sort of 18, yeah. 17 years old. Same sort of age as Descendants' first album. And the child, or the teenage angst in this album is so authentic to me. And it's easy to sort of, when you get to later Blink with all the small things, like we said, and songs like that, that are so clearly pop songs, it's easy to forget that they started like this. And these are just three dudes. This is pre-Travis Barker as well, by the way, who Travis Barker is one of my favourite drummers in the world, but he is very much a top-notch professional, you know, stunning drummer. This is with a guy called Scott Rayner, who is a fantastic drummer, but he's a punk rock drummer, and that sort of adds to this sound as well. And it's just three teenagers 
we all did this three teenagers playing me trying to write music and trying to play music and having fun with it and i think blink 182 despite how simple their chords are and how out of tune their singing is have some genuine songwriting talent and you can hear it even here and um this is the opening track of the album and it's called carousel and you can just hear the youthful angst energy in it i think if that doesn't sound too lame Love it. Here we go. Carousel by Blink-182. It's, it's barely in tune it's the musicianship isn't good enough and yet it's over rehearsed and but that is but it sounds amazing because that's what i did when i was that's what you did when we, that's what we did together when we were teenagers like yeah. it's just oh man that that sound just remind 
you can hear exactly where Blink 182 were at that embryo of their career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That completely. sort of just, oh, it just sounds, it's, love it's the, so angsty and teenagery, and I love it. That intro is great because you got the, the great bass line, which is a really great bass line that, yeah. that they have it. They play it like low on 12, and it's really high, which is really different than what a lot of people play. Um, and everyone's kind of doing their own thing, but it comes together. But as you say, it's just slightly out with like everything else that's going on. And then you have just like the very known Blink-182 vocals kicking in. Uh, and I think Carousel is just, you hear that, you hear Cheshire Cat, and you're just like, this is Blink-182. This is where they're kind of going. And a lot of people sleep on Cheshire Cat as an album. We were obsessed with it for a very, yeah. very, very long time. <laughs> um, but it just hits, you know, you got Carousel and it comes in with M&M's um, and it doesn't stop. And then you get like the really Peggy childish. Peggy Sue is a banger Peggy on Sue, that. Album, exactly. And then you've got like the childish, uh, as you said, like them just talking into the mic at the end of the albums, um, at the end when they're quoting like Airplane and stuff. But it's just. Also, yeah, they quote Airplane at the end. They do the black guys, don't they? Um, exactly. When they're talking jive. The jive, yeah. Yeah. They do a song called Benoit Balls, which is amazing. Um, which is mm-hmm. sort of about about bar wobbles, um, which if anyone doesn't know what they are, Google. And um, it's just going yeah, it's butt. it's a lovely. They're going and then they're, and but it's just, but they're just. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great album. It is really good. If you're in that sort of, if you like punk rock of the '90s, but you think you're too cool for Blink, just listen to Cheshire Cat and see what you think. Blink is one of those bands again that everyone's like, oh, they're just a massive sellout kind of pop punk kids and yeah good for them they, they did great with dude ranch and Edinburgh estate why fucking not i would class them as the top bill of this kind of 90s pop punk era they're the ones that took it to that next level without a doubt but you watch urethra chronicles or any of their stuff and they're like oh who you're influenced by and there's they're just being all nerdy as shit and they're like we like bad religion and descendants and screeching weasel and which is exactly to blame for all my picks today all the all the 90s punk rock bands that i'm into i'm into because tom DeLong listed his favorite bands on that urethra chronicles dvd that's what got me into this music i just every band he said he liked i just searched and found and bought their albums and that's why i love what i love today so blink is to i have to thank blink for all of this my favorite music yeah. i got from blink yeah they, they kicked it off so like regardless of what you say about these bands and, and what they contribute it's like okay maybe they they changed the genre in a way that you don't like but they're still saying what influenced them when they're talking about your descendants talking about your bad religions which then gets people like us to go oh who's that listen find it fall in love with them and then become even bigger fans of those bands exactly. than we were previously because blink white 2 didn't have like the hardest life mark probably had the hardest upbringing but they were just kind of nerdy high school kids who like listening to to punk rock you know no one was getting kicked out no one was getting like all of the horrible stuff with the bands that come later in our list but uh yeah they were just nerdy high school kids who liked punk music they were me and jesse and and that's why that's why we relate to them so much um so yeah i i love that album and i forgot how much i loved that album so i'm uh, excited to go back and listen to it for sure Cheshire Code. My next pick, and out come ah, the wolves. I, I this was it. this was so nearly in my top five. There. Yeah, it it has to be. Like I, I just I don't think I can realistically not have this album in, as a, in my list as, as a bass player. 
you can't not have rancid i think with in... matt freeman the bass player is just one of the best punk rock bassists i've ever heard in my life yeah he and the song i've picked is the perfect example of that <laughs> thank you i was hoping i was hoping you had them yeah exactly um so rancid complete flip of what we've been speaking about previously these are guys with your mohawks your neck tattoos your denim sleeveless jackets you look at them and you go mm, scary punk boys and <laughs> this is what they do but and out this comes is the what wolf. they do this is what they do <laughs> uh but out comes the wolves is up there with your dookies with your bad religions with your offspring smash album this was like the top four top five albums that caused um punk rock to go mainstream and because rancid has that image they're never viewed as selling out or and really they shouldn't be but i just find it funny that they're in that same conversation but they're always seen as this like outskirt rebel band well there's no there's no attractive frontman like with all due respect to tim armstrong love you tim but like there's like with those other bands there's a frontman who girls can fancy do you know what i mean like yeah. a sort of cute good looking guy like billy joe like tom delong or mark hoppers or whatever um tim armstrong from rancid is hardcore punk he's like mohawk now he's got a massive fucking beard um he's got like tattoos all over his head he's mm -hmm. fucking aggressive like he sings like that. he sings like he's like uh, he sings like he's got lung cancer and it's and, th and that's awesome but that's i think that's why they're not in that conversation because girls can't fancy them do you know exactly what I mean? yeah no completely and a fact that i find so interesting about this record is that rancid was so popular at the time that their songs were seen as so catchy that they were the subject of a massive major label bidding war like every major label wanted to sign them which is why they named the album out and outcome the wolves mm. in in reference to that um but in the end they stayed with epitaph and kind of which stayed true to it all yeah, yeah epitaph one of the greatest kind of uh producers founded of. by brett gershowitz which who is the guitarist of bad religion exactly um so incredible album uh top to bottom you kick off with um maxwell murder which we're going to be hearing in a second and it just doesn't stop from there 11 hour roots radical time bomb olympia washington and then even the tracks that people sleep on like junkie man and listed mia uh journey to the end of east bay like holy shit this album 49 minutes 19 tracks long, long for a punk album really long bad. yeah 19 yeah. tracks 49 album uh, 49 minutes fucking hell um and it's just incredible from top to bottom star influence as well there's star a huge well. huge scar influence not necessarily in this song we're about to hear but through the album there is like so much scar sound which but we're not talking really like influence. like any brass or like trombone no, no, no. it's just the, the like guitar the yeah, exactly. You just have it's... that very typical guitar sound, but very much embedded in punk rock drumming, punk rock guitar playing, bass playing. It's all kind of there. Um, and also what I love about this album is it's really kind of depressing in a way. <laughs> like the, the lyrics, like you're expecting just this kind of normal kind of punk rock album and stuff. But if you actually listen to it the emotion in it is really terrifying in terms of like ruby soho freaks you out when you're kind of looking at it um olympia washington uh cars passing by but none of them seem to go my way all of this feeling of escape and wanting being trapped in these circumstances that you really want to get out of which was very kind of later pop punk element of it but you've got these really scary dudes being really like 
almost sweet and earnest, but again, because of the image, because of the reputation, people just kind of hear this angry punk rock album, and it's not until you kind of sit back and listen to the lyrics, especially in like Old Friend, for example, that you go, oh, this is quite depressing. Good morning, Heartbreak. You're like a good friend. Come and see me again. It's like, bro, that's really sweet. <laughs> give me a hug, man. Come on, man. What do you want? But so uh, there's there's two other acts that I love that have the same sort of that whole escapism and leaving your hometown sort of feel to it. The rants it give me um, of being trapped, you know, and wanting to get out. Um, Less than Jake do it a lot. Um, yeah. There are a lot of Less than Jake songs that talk about you know leaving. Um, and I swear it's the last time that you know that tune. Yeah. Um, and we walk on the on the same old sidewalk, and we talk about leaving town. Um, and they've got other songs about that as well. And funnily enough, Bruce Springsteen, oddly, has written loads of songs about wanting to get out and see the wider world and leave your hometown that you feel like it's holding you back. And but Rancid, because they do those lyrics so well, give me the same feels as those two those two acts, which is awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, it it's a gift for. For people who haven't listened to this album in a while, just just go and sit with it. Um, because because I had like a little f- refresher today and it was nice. And I was just I was properly listening while I was writing, and I was just like, "Oh, Tim, <laughs> who needs a hug? Who needs a hug from you? <laughs> Beautiful stuff." Um, so the track that I've chosen is "Maxwell Murder." Kicks off the song. Uh, kicks Incredible off the album. bass solo as well. It's barely one minute. 50 or something is really short it's quick it's fast like you you play this album it hits you like a brick and the bass solo enjoy That just puts a smile on my face that like you're doing the same. <laughs> do you know what? I, no, the reason I'm smiling, do you know what I picture every time I hear that bass solo? What? Is uh, there's an episode of Tom and Jerry when, <laughs> um, <laughs> when Tom has broken into the house of a lady cat that he fancies. And um, I think Br- is Brutus the name of the dog? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. There's, do you remember there's a, a dog? And a few, dog yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's in his um, kennel and Tom's like sorted him out. And basically for Tom to be covert, 
to get through, he's got a double bass because he's gonna like serenade the lady cat that he fancies, and he sings "Is you is or is you in my baby," and he's singing that on his double bass. But he first he uh, jumps on the bass, you know, with like the one stand on yeah. the bottom, and just starts pogo sticking along, and that's like <laughs> his like covert sort of way of getting through the garden to not wake the dog. And it's like, but while he's pogo sticking, the music is going boom, 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 boom. And it's like that, that rancid song is that on crack. Like, it's, yeah. it's like Tom just going, like, really, like, bouncing really quickly. It's amazing. Oh, God, I bounced oh, God, something <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. There's no reason for Matt Freeman to go as hard as he does on that song. It's And it's not even that, like, cool little bass line he does in that bridge. It's all throughout. Like, if you listen to it all throughout, he's just like, like and yeah, there's just like funny. it's unbelievable and it brings such a smile to my face when he does it and that's good but go watch him do it live just like what find a live video on youtube of maxwell murder um, they extend the solo don't they live they yeah. do it for a good another like 12 16 bars and it's wicked and you know what pisses me off he doesn't even it's not even nothing to him no, it doesn't even break <laughs> he, stress. he's just looking around he's, he's, looking like, around, he's like yo what's up yeah. things like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's like, yeah, playing that. And he's like, oh, there's a fly on that light. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Makes me it's, sick. It's insane. Like, what a kickoff to an album. Like, you, you, you're you, dead. You know exactly what's coming. And then it's just like hit after hit after hit in terms of what they do. It's just a perfect album. A perfect album in terms of what they do. And please, you know, go, go back and listen to it and listen to the words and all this kind of stuff because it's it's sad and it's raw and it's, it's punk and it's just everything that, that an album should be. And I fucking love it, man. Love that yeah, album. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. Great song. Great album. Um, Ruby Soho was the big single off that album, yep. um, which is just a, a ba- there's no impressive bass solos, but it's just a banger of a punk mm-hmm. tune. It's just great. Yeah. I feel like they went, Matt, you can go, you can go crazy on one. Pick which one. Is Opening track. <laughs> I'll get back in your cage. <laughs> play it. Play it like the normal punk kids. Just like fours and I always used to think that. I, I always used to think, like they're obviously not in this list, but um, I don't know if you're a fan of the Pixies or not. We've never really talked mm-hmm. about the Pixies, but um, the guitarist of the Pixies, whenever he does a solo, um, I remember when I was a kid and I was listening to it, it always sounded like that to me because his solos were so sort of like just so powerful and like out yeah. of nowhere it almost felt like he was like on a leash or something do you know what i mean it was like it was like okay well let him go <laughs> just do this metal solo and then everyone has to jump on him and drag him back like that's just, how powerful it sounded i'm just picturing this like super group with him and then you have like matt freeman from rancid and then you have like travis barker just taking like the best of the best musicians the people that are held back musically yeah. with these bands <laughs> Um, and then just let them go. Just let them go. I, I bet it would be fucking awful. <laughs> it oh, would just be a horrible, <laughs> horrible noise. <Yeah>. Shut up! <laughs> everyone competing. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, number two, Mr. Benz, you... Um... This is I. Uh, so this is um, Barbaralid again. Bling182 to blame. Tom DeLong, you said Barbaralid was one of your favourite bands on the Urethra Chronicle, which was your band's DVD. It's your fault. Um, so I searched out Bad Religion, went to my local record store, Martian Records in Cheltenham. Um, rest in peace, Martian Records. It was a great record store. Great record. Um, went to the Bad Religion section, found this album, Stranger Than Fiction, which just happened to be the one at the front. So I bought it, the first one I heard. Turns out it's their most successful album. I didn't know that. It's their only album that's been certified gold. Um, 
which is mad. Like, you know, for a band who have never been on a major label, that's pretty impressive, especially in the 90s. Excuse me. Yeah. They were, they were on Epitaph, which is Brett Gershwitz's label, same as Rancid before, um, who Brett Gershwitz is a member of Bad Religion, so he obviously put some energy into marketing, which is good. Um, MTV um, used this album as sort of a real... When MTV were trying to be down with the kids in the 90s, they used a lot of music like this, and they took yeah. this song, Strange, Strange, the, the song Stranger Than Fiction, from the album Stranger Than Fiction, um, they took and played a lot. Um, 21st Century Digital Boy was another big single off this album. It's Great just I, bad religion for anyone that doesn't know. They're um, just a, a force. Like they're this, they're almost folky in their lyrics and their. And um, I've always thought Greg Graffin has a very folky voice, and which makes sense because he's actually done some solo albums that are very country folk inspired. Yeah, um, acoustic-y nice stuff, but he's always sounded like that. They've always put these incredible harmonies in their songs, which punk bands don't always do. Punk bands, actually, generally speaking, um, use harmonies much more than they're given credit for. Um, and well, yeah, really well. Loads of bands, loads of punk bands do, but Bad Religion go the next step and they're like, Yeah, we're gonna throw like three, four part harmonies on this shit, and like we're gonna do it live, and all the band members were like a fucking punk choir. And they do that shit, and it sounds amazing, and they still do it today. Um, just incredible band, and um, yeah, strange. I don't know what I say about it, really. I mean, they're just another great punk band, right, with these incredible harmonies. Yeah. Um, in, uh, this song is less punky than what we've heard so far, I think. Um, yeah. It's like, it's not just like everything else has been, but um, it's just, it's a great song, and I hope you enjoy it. This is Stranger Than Fiction off the album, Stranger Than Fiction by Bad Religion. Sometimes truth 
It's a great tune, really great tune, and I think it's a great album. If um, we were doing best punk rock albums of the eighties, I would have put "Suffer" by Bad Religion on there, which is a stunning album. And well, you sort of, the, sorry, go on. Yeah, the thing that hurts me is like "No Control," my favorite Bad Religion album. It's just like eighties as well. It's just like yeah, eighty nine, yeah, yeah. eighty nine. <laughs> so many, but and and there's great Bad Religion albums in the two thousands as well. Empire Strike First is an amazing album. Yeah, um, love that. Got it on vinyl. One of my uh, the, pro, the process of belief is a stunning yep. album. They've got they 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 span like so. I was supposed to see Bad Religion last year for obvious reasons. It didn't happen. They've rescheduled for next year. Um, and last year was supposed to be their fortieth anniversary. Their fortieth anniversary as a band. That's fucking mental. So it's I'm going to see them on their forty second anniversary once they get round to it. But Me too. that's mental. Are you going as well? Yeah, we had this discussion where I got drunk and then got really excited because it said June 23rd. And I was like, that's after, that's after lockdown. That's great. Oh, I'll yeah. It turns out it's 2022. Because me and Jesse have Sinbad religion. Uh, we were at Slam Dunk. And, but the sound was awful. Like, I don't know if it was the wind or the mixer or they were like, we couldn't even his hear. Mic, his mic was off. There was something weird with his, his mic. His mic was off. So we yeah, were like... Yeah, yeah. I don't class it as we've seen bad religion. Technically, we have. Yeah, but yeah, but... we need to see them properly. And they're they're great. He's the king of the cheesy one-liners as well. Like like a song like that. Like time. he'll. Yeah, it's brilliant. He'll just like he'll tell a story and then he'll go. Um, I bet you don't believe that, do you? No, but sometimes truth is stranger than fiction and then they'll start playing that song and he'll just always find a way to say the title of the song as like the end of his story which i sort of love it's cheesy but i love it he's the mick foley of punk rock like he gets a pop <laughs> he's basically like saying the town and then that's what he does um it i i 100 agree that you know strange than fiction is, is a great album but um normally people say that against the grain is their best 90s album but strange the fiction was my first man like i, I said know, i, I, know, I, I just, I'm just saying for the people that Against the Grain is normally... Pay- My favourite from the 90s is Recipe for Hate. Ah, interesting. That's a great one as well. But yeah, there's something about Stranger Than Fiction. Tim Armstrong from Rancid guests on a song called Television on Stranger Than Fiction as well. Um, so there's um, a bit of connection there. Um, it was the first Bad Religion album I heard. And I think the first one you hear is always going to have a special place in your heart. And that's it for me. Yeah, yeah. Um for me, I think it was No Control was my first one, which is why I love it so much. And then Empire Strikes First. I love Empire Strikes First. You know what I love about Babylon? It sounds smart. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you listen to it and you, like, even, like, just lyrically or... I, I, th- I guess it's lyrically and musically to a degree. You're listening to it and you're going, this is just... This is music for clever people. <laughs> and, I, and I feel honoured that I, I'm listening to it and I'm enjoying it, which means I must be a clever person. I'm well into this. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite memory of um, similar to that is when I told you, like, oh, I've uh, been listening to Weezer's latest album. It just, just goes, ah, The Thinking Man's pop punk. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> it really just, is. <laughs> we'll say the same for Bad Religion, The Thinking Man's punk yeah, punk. And I think that's, that, that's a fair argument to make. Um, excellent, excellent choice. Uh, we're into our number ones now. If anyone knows me and Jesse personally or have been listening to this podcast through 96 episodes... Yeah, three fucking guesses who my mine will be. And three fucking guesses who mine's going to be. So uh, I don't think we're going to exactly be shocked by this. So dive into it. Punk and Drublick by NoFX. 1994. One of the greatest albums ever made. If I wasn't, um, if, if I wasn't convinced this was going to be in your top five, it would have been in mine. Yeah. it's We can't have a conversation of the best 90s punk rock albums without talking about Punk and Drublick. Uh, it's their most successful album to date. 
It was reviewed everywhere as being like one of the greatest albums. It's a classic punk album of just like when people say albums you gotta listen to if you're a punk fan or like albums to listen to before you die, this is in it. Um, and it became the band's only gold record for sales of over 500,000 copies in the US, all without any radio plays or aired music videos. So eventually they did make a video for Leave It Alone worldwide, but um, no effects being the pure punk rock that they are this was you know the first one to go gold with with no radio play no music videos which is insane when you think about it yeah especially this is remember this is pre-internet people or pre like prominent internet do you know what i yeah. mean you can't you couldn't have like you you don't go viral you don't share shit on facebook or whatever or twitter or instagram like you just or upload it to your SoundCloud. Like, this is all word of mouth, just pure yep. word of mouth and gigging your tits off and supporting everyone you can support, just playing every town you can play and making everyone buy your album because you're that fucking good. Yeah, and then you get little write-ups in magazines, but then you've got, like, Eric Malvin and stuff on the street being like, come see our show, come see our show, all, mm. all this kind of stuff. It's it's It boggles the mind of, like, 1994 versus now and how you get a gold-selling album with no nothing no support or yeah, any no media no rep. oh it's insane how they did this it's and, and the singles that they released were ridiculous like they knew what their most popular songs in this were but they the first one they released was don't call me white like yeah come on like <laughs> you know that's not going to be like a successful song and then leave it alone which is which is a great track uh came out next but it's just hit after hit like we were saying we're rancid um linoleum which is of course the song i'm going to play again oh a thank you i was i was making sure that you were going to play linoleum because just as you get I really was, nervous yeah <laughs> i was gonna play was rico like, just gonna put rico was, on there <laughs> the bruise thank you um but oh, the, uh, bruise. The, the bruise is a banger though the bruise, the bruise is, is a, a song anyone who, so um fat mike from no effects is jewish and he wrote uh, the bruise as a proud to be jewish like anti-nazi song which is awesome but he's written it like a football anthem right like it feels yeah. like like the chorus you know, it sounds like bruise. a skinhead accent yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. when yeah. you Sporting listen anti-swastika tattoos oi oi it's fucking yeah. wicked it, it's brilliant because like if you're not paying attention you just hear swastika tattoos and oi oi and you're like oh no <laughs> it's, bad. Yeah, but um, it's, it's a proud like anti-fascist skinhead anthem it's awesome exactly um rancid and no effects did a swap over album where Rancid played no effects songs. A split album, darling. It is a split album, yeah. darling. So Rancid played no effects songs, and no effects played Rancid songs. And Rancid did the cover of the Bruise, and they made it visceral, and they made it angry, <laughs> and it was like, fuck yeah, I love that version of the Bruise. It's so good. Um, who was who was Bob originally by? Because I know no effects's version and Rancid's version, and it was on that split. But both versions are so good that I don't actually know who did it first. I think it's no effects originally. Is it? No, and then Rancid covered it, because both are awesome. Yeah, and then Fat Mike jokes that Rancid made their most popular song better. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. what they do. But Um, Linoleum, um, the lyrics to Linoleum are fucking brilliant. It's interesting that we're picking the opening tracks of a lot of these albums, because it feels like, like they just this, a good album just hits you in the fucking face, right, as soon as you put it on. And that's what Linoleum does, that's what um, Maxwell Murder does. That's what um, Cheshire Cat, the uh, Carousel, does. Yep. And um, but Linoleum, like 
I almost feel like because it's such a punk rock song, the lyrics get missed. And there's some lovely acoustic version. Streetlight Manifesto did a really nice acoustic version of this song. Beautiful. Frank, yeah. Frank Turner has actually done a good acoustic version of this song. And where you can almost hear the lyrics better. But like the just the, the lyrics are so powerful. And this song is just, yeah, it just hits you in the face, man. It's fucking amazing. Well, it's the break when he says about um, that's me. That's me on the street with a violin under my chin, um, singing, uh, playing with a grin, singing gibberish. And that's me on the back of the bus. That's me inside your head. Just, oh, man, it's just so fucking good. Play it. <laughs> Here's the song, people. <laughs> ridiculous in terms of a good kick as you say kick his face in song it's yeah. just yeah it's brilliant incredible so so powerful and great and some interested i hadn't noticed until i just saw it there um the album cover quite similar to insomniac yeah yeah I think the, you... the whole sort of sort of old pictures of women do you know what i mean that have been sort of superimposed and, on it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of it's got the same the... sort of feel to it yeah, and it's um, just so great. There's uh, on No Effects' new album that just came out. They've done a song called Linoleum, where mm. they basically recreate Linoleum, but make fun of the fact that it's covered so much, and it's their most and only successful song to ever come out of it. With Avenged Sevenfold, which is also a, an <laughs> odd combination, isn't it? But we talked about that song briefly with Bill Stevenson of the Descendants, who recorded it in his um, Blasting Room Studios. There you go. Me and Jesse have become go. become that podcast where we just relive our glory days. That <laughs> one good thing that happened to us. Um, it was, but it was a fucking good thing. It was a good, it was a good <laughs> thing. I'm going to peak. I'm going to peak. Wow. Um, 
No effects had a great nineties. They they released their most albums of any decade. They opened up with Ribbed. Then you had White Trash, Two Heaps and a Bean, Punk and Drublick, Heavy Petting Zoo, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes, another incredible album. That's an amazing album. That's a more sort of that's got some scar influences in it as well, isn't it? That's a very yeah. scarry album. I like it. Yeah, they, they didn't stop from, from then when they did, and then going into the 2000s, Pump Up the Volume, War and Errorism, Wolves and Wolves Clothing, even Coaster, you know, they just, again, hit after hit. No Effects is um, unbelievable for the albums that they churn out in terms of, like, con- consistent content, I would say, is, is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, just non-stop. Um, certainly, like you said, certainly until Coaster, which is a good like sixteen-year span of just hit after hit. That's pretty solid. Yeah, and, and there's still nothing wrong. Um, first, it Jeffer, which came out in 2016, is probably one of my favourite. It's when kind of Mike's getting clean. You got six years on dope on there. I'm a transverse light. Uh, the terrible, heartbreaking song of "I'm So Sorry, Tony." Oh God, about, about no use for a name. No um, use for a name, Tony. Um, which he played when we saw No Effects live. Like we were very blessed that we got to see No Effects in a good mood, headlining the Punkin Drublick stage at Slam Dunk. Uh, yeah, because Fat Mike, Fat Mike isn't always in a good mood, so it's always a risk. Is is a risk if you buy a No Effects ticket because you might see him on an off day. But we were really lucky to see them when they were really on it, right? Yeah, but but since he's gotten sober, I think it's more consistent good shows than bad shows you know mm. um and i remember just being in the crowd and then playing i'm so sorry tony and that was the first time they'd ever played it live and like seeing how choked up mike got afterwards and it was just like fuck that was that was a very cool moment that yeah that very cool moment it was awesome and if we cool, ever do if we ever do on. top five punk rock songs um uh international U day by no use for a name would definitely be in there for me i think that's a fucking stunner of a punk song and a love song as well it's amazing Hundred percent, hundred percent. Nothing beats though that gig when I thought I could go and get us beers before the show started, <laughs> and I got us beers, but like no effects were starting. So this was main stage, end of the night, main main band playing. I've got like eight hundred people in front of me. I have my beers and my triangle three, hold. Three beers, yeah, three yeah, beers. Yeah. Me, Justin, Steph. I had three beers, and I start making my way through the crowd, and <laughs> I don't know how I did it. I didn't spill a drop. It's amazing. Me and Steph were standing there like, where's Max? Shit, no effects are starting. This is bad. Like, Max really would want to be here. And then you just turned up like, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) With the three bits. It was like, that's amazing. How did you do that? Because we did a cooling system where we would yell, uh, salmon. It was the most impressive thing I've ever (laughs) My life was peaked. We'd have a cooling system. And this is a tip I'll give for anyone who goes to festivals. With your friends, have an obscure word that you shout out. We yelled salmon. And then we could just pinpoint each other like whales. Yeah. So one person would shout salmon and the other person would shout oi. And then we'd like track each other like dolphins and whales do. It does work. That's like our sound test thing when we do. I'd rather have a bowl of. Go, go, pops. Exactly. See, like you could. Everyone knows it, but no one thinks to use it to find other people. There you go, people. We've uh, we're just going to go to a festival in the summer. We're just going to hear all these random shit happening. Like, <laughs> God, that was us. We did that. Why is everyone like suddenly mad on Coco Monkey? <laughs> Coco Monkey. <laughs> I wrote a letter. Did I tell you I wrote a letter to Coco Pops when they got rid of Coco Monkey from the? How old were you? Uh, I older than I should have been. <laughs> I was like I was late teens, I think, and. Um, 
they'd got rid of Coco Monkey off the Coco Pop stuff. So I wrote a letter um, about, and I said in it, like, why have you got rid of Coco the Monkey from your Kellogg's and all that? And I wrote this angry thing. And I was saying he's a brilliant mascot and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I, I love mascots anyway. You know this about me. And uh, they wrote back. And this really snarky Kellogg's representative wrote back. And it was like, first off, he is not called Coco the Monkey. His name is Coco Monkey. <laughs> it's, like, it's like there's no in his fucking name. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, and it was like, we're taking a break from Coco Monkey, but he will be back because he's a well-loved character. <laughs> I was like, okay, like, sorry. <laughs> I love that there's someone in the world as passionate about Coco Monkey as you are. Coco Monkey, and, uh... and I'll, I will never call him Coco the Monkey again. He is Coco Monkey. I'm, I'm going to call him Coco the Monkey. Just to, just to hope that that person yeah. <laughs> For Americans listening, this is Coco Pops are a cereal, and Coco Monkey is our little mascot. Do, do they have Coco Monkey over there? I, I completely forgot that people were also listening to this show. <laughs> <It's just laughs> I can literally forgot that there were people here. Hi, everyone. Thank I you. For yeah, I don't think they do. Yeah, Americans don't have Coco Monkey, but he's a little monkey in a cap who promotes, like, chocolate Rice Krispies, basically, called Coco Pops, and they're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Punk rock, man! <laughs> okay. Uh, number one for Jesse's pick. No surprise to anyone in the whole entire world. Uh, now King Kong Bundy's favourite band, it is. Well, it's their only album in the 90s, I think. So um, it the has to, it's the only one that could be in there. But um, yeah, Descendants, as everyone knows, are my favourite band. I'm wearing their hat. Um, they... Ninterd! Um, Ninterd's here. That's good. We're doing this show for you, man. You were like one of the vocal people that was saying about Bad Religion and that. I just did Bad Religion. You might have missed it. Unlucky. But listen back. Um, so... Descendants um, are my favorite band in the world. Everyone knows this. Everyone's bored about it. Um, they released an album. Yep. Everyone released. Uh, they released an album um, in the 90s. Everything sucks. This is when Milo a bit away, their singer a bit away for ages. He came back. They released this album. They had like one year of madness. Fucking awesome. Um, it's, an, it's an incredible album. I don't need to talk about Descendants anymore than they already have. Um, the song I've chosen is slightly odd because I feel like the songs that you would normally pick for this album we've already done on previous podcasts. So I know you've chosen Everything Sucks, Max, when we did our top five Descendants songs. Um, I'm sure I'm the one has been in there at some point. When I Get Old has also been in there at some point. All amazing songs, all on this album. But I've actually gone with We, which is a underrated Descendants song, in my opinion. Um, I think it's one of the greatest love songs ever written. Um, the opening line is, I don't care what they say, those numbers don't mean a thing, we've got it made. And I think it's about um, what he's talking about is his financial situation, it doesn't matter. And the whole song, you listen to the words, and he's the, the playing is stunning, and the lyrics are just saying, I don't care what happens in the world because I've already got the most important thing to me, which is you. And I just think it's such a beautiful love song. It's called We, it's from Everything Sucks, which was the first Descendants album I ever owned. Um, again, because of Tom DeLonge, Blink-182, blah-de-blah. Um, again, because it was at the front when I went to Descendants section in the record store. Um, happened to be this album, thank God it was. We is a stunning song, have a listen.
beautiful song. Bloody lovely, isn't it? Like we we don't have to be all like aggressive and like oh anger. Like what a lovely way to end the show, Jesse. With uh with we excellent choice. Um, great great lyrics, great lyrics in that <clears> song. Um, and also again, as we were saying with Rancid earlier, Carl goes a little bit hard on his on his bass. Doesn't need to in that song, but he's he's all over the place. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's such a good bass player, man. There's, there's a yeah, lot of good. The, the cliche of punk rock has always been anyone can do it. You know, like it doesn't. You don't have to be a great musician. You could just have a go, and it's just not the case. Sorry, like the the best punk bands are still like they have. They might not technically be the best players, but they have something about them that makes them incredible, whether it's charisma yeah. or I don't know, like, but they can do something the rest of us cannot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100% agree. Um, yeah, we don't need to dwell too much on Descendants because everyone knows like why we like Descendants and how good an album uh, Everything Sucks is. Um, and it's a shame that we don't have more kind of from that decade because I'm sure we'd be struggling to pick, but it it, it is great and it falls in with the lines of you have all of these bands who are coming up like your green days your blinks your offsprings who are influenced by descendants and then here they come kind of trying to slot themselves in with this revival of bands that they influenced to form this revival and they kind of get pushed under the rug a little bit by it it's weird right well sort of they kind of get pushed under, but i mean they're not like they're not headlining reading or anything like that but they um but you sort of but I, I don't know. I listen to that album and it almost feels like they've come back and they've gone, this is how you do it, kids. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're all... I mean, 96, what, you got Dookie, um, like, Dude Ranch and Enemy of the State haven't even been released yet in 1996. So, Blink-182 haven't found their feet. You, you've had Dookie. Offspring might have had an album. Um, but Descendants are definitely coming along and going, this is how it's done. Do you know what I mean? 100% agree and um, yeah, we, we we can't fault the important descendants. We, we've told you guys a hundred times exactly why and you won't listen to us. So. <laughs> do you want to do some... I think, uh... I think they do listen to us because I feel like we're directly responsible for descendants. Their monthly Spotify listenership has gone up drastically lately and yeah. I think it's down to us so you're welcome descendants and welcome, um, your uh, our check is in the mail I imagine. Get on it. Uh, any honourable mentions before we uh, head on our way? Um, oh, of 90s punk rock albums. Uh, we mentioned no use, for an, no use for a Name earlier. I love um, MXPX. had some fantastic 90s albums. in general, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, um, Offspring, as I just said. Smash, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, God. Um, Pennywise had some good shit. Um, Pennywise, Jim Weasel. Um, the quiz, um, fucking hell, um, nineties, but there's so much. Um, I don't, there's, but then like, I, I like a lot of scar punk, and I don't know where that stands with punk rock. So like, there's loads of less than Jake albums. I like. I'm a huge fan of Sublime. I don't know if that would slip into no this doubt, sort of category. Like of that, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that counts or not. But if it does, it's definitely in there. Um, there's, oh man, yeah, there's so, I mean, uh, Sublime only had, Sublime, actually the first, I've talked about this before, I think, the first Descendant song I ever heard was Sublime covering Hope on their yes. first album, 40 Ounce to Freedom, which was in 92. Um, 94, they released an album called Robin the Hood. 96, they released an al- a self-titled album called Sublime. Um, Bradley, the lead singer, died that year, and that was the end of Sublime. So three albums in a six-year span, all in the 90s, and all amazing. 
Yeah, exactly. They, they they were unstoppable in the 90s. They were the kind of 90s band that kind of came out. And and you're right, that that kind of ska punk element is a list that we could do very comfortably off the back of this. Um, Pennywise, you're 100% right. Full Circle, Unknown Road, great albums. Mill and Colin, Life on a Plate is another great oh, album. Man. Bouncing Souls, How I Spent Bouncing My Summer Vacation. Souls. Yeah, The Vandals, Live Past Diarrhea, always always a favourite. Uh, yeah. You mentioned MXPX, Life in General is uh, is a favourite of mine. Social Distortion, their self-entitled album came out as well. Yeah. Um, another, another kind of great album that comes out there. The Vandals, Hitler Bad, Vandals Good. Probably my favourite album title of all time <laughs> that reminds me of airplane um you know I've, have you ever noticed in the credits of airplane you know every film um has a best boy in the credits yeah. um so in airplane they tell you who the best boy is in the credits and then underneath it says worst boy adolf hitler <laughs> <laughs> so so accurate so accurate um and refused the shape of punk to come i think that that's another oh, album. Okay. social the- distortion from the 90s Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, great. a lot of really, really great music. Like, Actually, a band I got into recently, I don't, I don't think I've talked to you about them yet, Max. I don't know if you know them. It's an unfortunate name. They're called the Retards. Um, you know Colin was Swedish? I didn't. I did know Millencolin was I Swedish. Yeah, Millencolin. You're absolutely right, Nintendo. They're a fantastic band. Uh, now you're back on your feet again. Now you're back on your feet That's a great song. That's uh, the opening track of Punkorama <laughs> 7, I believe. Oh, uh, Punkorama. Yeah. Yeah, some amazing Punkorama albums, right? Epitaph released, compilations of like, they were just like the Bible of yeah. 90s punk rock. You get Punkorama, Hellcat record compilations, and then that's how you found new bands. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mill and Colin, Swedish. Um, I saw them supporting Good Charlotte, which was um, an odd tour for Mill and Colin to take, I thought, but uh, but they were awesome. Um, yeah. Are we fair. talking like Good Morning Revival? Good Charlotte no, or pre? No, uh, pre. It was okay, what's, the, weird, what's the album that did terribly? Uh, they did Young yeah. and the Hopeless, which was great, yeah. and, and then the album after Chronicles of Life and Death. It was off the back of that um, that they toured, and that was when Bill and Colin was supporting them. Odd, odd choice. Yeah. I stand by Chronicles of Life and Death. Everyone hated it. I think it's a good album. It's a good pop punk album. Good, good Charlotte album. Yeah, so everyone, can, everyone can shut up. <laughs> shut up, man. Just as dead show. <laughs> Uh, oh, we, Fugazi, we have to mention Repeater. Like, Fugazi is one of those bands that, like, I understand their importance in punk rock um, and, and what they do, but I like, like, one of their albums. Sorry, everyone, I'm, I'm a shit punker. I'm the same with, um, I'm the same with, like, Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. Like, I know they're really important and I want, and I've never just really taken the time, really, and one day I will, but all I really know about them is whatever songs have been in Tony Hawk games. Nazi punks fuck off. That's all I ever need to know. Exactly. That's a banger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a banger. Yeah, it is a banger. Oh, this is uh you know what vibes this is giving me, Jesse. This is giving me vibes that I want to drink the rest of this bottle of wine, put on a YouTube live show, oh, me and too. have a great evening. Why can't you be here with me? <laughs> <laughs> Not long now. Um, it's not long until we'll be allowed to be in each other's houses and we can have a YouTube sesh of punk rock gigs together, drink until we're blind and make passionate love. That's all I want, guys. That's all we're going to do. And then we'll invent the new dance sensation. (laughs) 
Well, why are we doing a dance? Mine and Jesse's plan is to get drunk and uh, go to a cabin and write a punk rock album for you all. Oh, yeah, we're going to do that. Oh, man, I've got so many punk rock songs in my head. Like, they've just been swirling around for months now. And they're just so angry and shouty. And they're all, like, borderline creepy, I think, if you really listen to the lyrics. But I just need to get them out. And basically, we can do them. And then you can police it after. You can go, no, Jess, that's really weird, mate. Like, you shouldn't be saying that in public. <laughs> uh, but at least let me get them out, and then you can police it afterwards for me. Fair, fair. I, I'm the recorder. I'm the editor. There's so much. There's so I'm much in it. my head. It literally, like, stuff that I'm pissed off about that happened to me when I was 14, which is fine. But when you're 31 and it's coming out your mouth, creepy. <laughs> So guys, um, after the show ends, we're obviously going to be taking a break <laughs> in, uh, in in four weeks' time. We got four weeks left of uh, God Till Five. Me and Jesse are then going to retreat to a cabin, write a punk rock album of Jesse's disturbed mind, and then release it to you all. And that's the last you hear of God Till Five. And I think that's a beautiful end to this. I feel like it's an appropriate end. Just us going feral. <laughs> Fully support. Guys, like, honestly, the, the six months after Got Till Five is what you really got to pay attention to, because that's when it's going to get really <laughs> that's weird. What, that's what will be on the Netflix documentaries in five years' time. Never make that a cabin alive. <laughs> well, one of us will. It will be a Battle Royale scenario, I reckon. Bring it on. Can't wait. Uh, we'll make the album and then just kill each other. <laughs> just really, like, attack each other. And the winner will wear the loser's skin. Uh- <laughs> That's disturbing. <laughs> and on that note, we have to end the show. Okay. And <laughs> wearing skin. I'm just, I'm just picturing myself wearing a hood of your head, <laughs> just all, with your lovely new haircut. <laughs> I'll get like... it. Cu- I'll get it cut before, uh, before we duel, if you will. I appreciate that to make my hood look as nice as possible. Oh, that sounds worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a human anymore. I'm just a hood. No, you're just my hood. Get your hood cut for me, boy. <laughs> um thank you everyone for for tuning in it was a pleasure revisiting our favorite albums and going through honestly mine and jesse's happy place as we said these last eight episodes of this podcast it's just me jesse (laughs) chronicling what we like for prosperity and hopefully people agree with it so this um, is verbal masturbation basically this is verbal masturbation exactly we have four weeks left of the show um it's getting a bit bittersweet, but we can't thank you enough for tuning in, staying with us even up until this point, listening to stuff like this with the punk rock albums, the the music. Uh, excited to be back next week. We'll be back next Thursday. In the meantime, if you want to go pick up some merch and support your boys, then you can go to gottill5.tmail.com. Make sure you subscribe Worldwide to the podcast. Worldwide shipping! Worldwide, baby! Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast everywhere and if all of this is too much to retain Jesse has a website that can go with all of this information and that is it's so easy it's just one simple website and it is gottill5.com that's where you go we'll be back uh, for people who listen to this episode and post drop some comments let us know your favourite punk albums me and Jesse are going to get drunk on this Friday night and go watch some YouTube live shows and text each other That's. I'm going to watch Descendants in Hawaii that's my plan Ooh, maybe I'll join you sounds saucy mm. I'm thinking about no effects live as well so. oh okay well if you find a good one send it to me brother we're in the mix alright people you know what we're doing we hope you have a fantastic week uh, thank you for joining us we love you dearly goodbye and good night. Ta-ta! Ah.